Um, we are in the middle of a sermon series named Called. And so this is week three. Um, we've already done Receive the Call, Cultivate Capacity. So we are on Embrace the Charge. Who of you has ever been blessed by another? I know that's a blanket statement. See, see, I better just not step up there. I better just stay back here. So you've been blessed by someone else, right? Something that they did, something that they said, some way that you've been seen, some tangible way that they were there for you and provided for you, right? Guess where our sermon is today, guys? Guess why I'm wearing a t-shirt today, guys? We're gonna be the church. And so, embrace the charge. I've been told by a certain someone in this room that I radiate evangelism. It just kind of pours out of my soul. There's not much I can do about it. It's like there's this song that says, let me tell you about my Jesus. Like, you know how many times that thing has been blasted to all ridiculous frequencies in my vehicle. <laughs> because I get excited. I want people to meet him. I need people to meet him. He is just amazing. And what he's done for me, I know they can do for them. So... I get really excited about sharing my Jesus. I like to cheer them on in their race, to their, on their journey towards him. And it make, brings me so much joy. It lifts my soul. So next time you hear that song, let me tell you about my Jesus, that's my jam. We got this. So we are all called in some way by God to use the gifts that he's given us. It's not an obligation. It's who we are. God called me to be an evangelist. I'm going to go tell people about Jesus. Does that look a certain way each and every time? No, it's different every time. And usually there's an open door there. But life in Christ by nature involves engagement in ministry, both inside and outside the walls. Now, I'm going to pause for a second. It's not scripted. But I see amazing faces out here, and you all are intelligent, so you're going to help me today. We're going to do this, like, classroom style. Can you, by a raise of hands, name some things inside the church that you can do to use the gift that God gave you? Yes, that is definitely one. Donating, yep. Who else? Christy. Servant and children's ministry. I love your gift. Security team. Beautiful gift. Who else has got one we can do? What has God given you? Kim. Speak the word of God to the people, right? So all of these things are a balance that's needed for the church, right? He didn't just give us a whole bunch of preachers. He didn't give us all the security people. He gave us everything that we need. Everything is in this room, right? But it takes all of us embracing that call, embracing the charge. So... If somebody's sitting on the sidelines, think about it like a sports team. If you've got a team of folks and nobody's covering second base, what's going to happen? So embracing the charge, that's what we're doing. My last name is a little ironic. I was told to use it in the sermon. So um, for those of you that have been around, if you know me well enough, my last name is Carpenter. I was raised in a family of carpenters by trade. So running around construction sites and getting all messy and covered in sawdust. I love 
to swing a hammer. If I'm stressed out, give me a drill, I'm gonna go fix something. Like, that's just me, that's who I am. I love to use my hands. Um, and so it was ironic that I also married into a family who happened to have the name Carpenter. And it's also my favorite thing to do. So, um, there's my name. Uh, a few years back, my husband and I went on a trip. And that's the pictures you see up there right now. Um, and this is going to sound crazy, but have you ever been ridiculously hot and sweaty? I mean, just gross, gross hot. You're exhausted. Every muscle, every bone in your body is just done. You just can't wait to get a hot shower, but wait, it's hurricane, so there's not really a hot shower. Anyhow, but can you imagine several days in a row of being in that state, but being so full of joy that you can't contain yourself and you're still dancing? Yeah. This, uh, this lady up here, she has a place in my heart that will always be there. She was a superintendent for a university, and she had recently lost her husband, and then Hurricane Harvey took her house. And so we sat there for a while, and with this nice lady, she opened up some boxes that, that were, they were totes, but they were now swimming totes, full of every degree, every award, every precious picture of her husband, all the things in this box floating in water. And even though there was a part of me that knew that everything in there was now just gone, it meant something to her. So it meant for me that God asked me to sit there on the lawn with towels and just start trying to save whatever we could save. And even though I knew it was the lost cause, to her, it meant the world. And it was just something tangible that, that I could do. Isn't it crazy how sometimes doing something for somebody else benefits you? You've all experienced that. I'm seeing a lot of head nods. Yes, for sure. I mean, my husband will tell you, like, the story of his first time serving with kids. It was in, um, in basketball, and he's like, yeah, we're going to go help out some kids, blah, blah. And then how many times he came home, and he's like, man, I never realized what an impact it would have on me. And that's just how serving goes. That's how living in your call, embracing your call feels. Because when you're doing what God designed you to do, is there any other better place? Is there any better place? Lord, you got this. You're not even using my notes. Okay. Um, we're going to be in James chapter 2. And I posted for you, I don't know who all got a chance to look at that chapter last night. Um, but this chapter is one that is heavily debated because people commonly misunderstand what's being said. And so I picked a different version to read today, which kind of makes things a little bit more simple. But I want to set some ground rules, some boundaries on what we are saying and what we're not saying. Fair? All right, let's do it. So what I am not saying works righteousness. Who has heard that fancy word? Yes, yes. Yes. Basically, what it means is there's a philosophy that we have to do good things and work out our salvation for God. Like, we have to earn it through our own power. That's not a thing, folks. 
That is not what I'm saying. So I just want you to get that one out of the way. That is not what we're saying. What I am saying is love for Christ manifests in our actions. Pretty simple. We talk about what we should be doing. It's easy to get those things confused. It's easy to um, bleed those lines a little bit. But we are called and we're responsible to carry out what it is that God has put in our life. So works do not lead us to salvation. It pours out of it. Christ provided fully for our salvation through his work on the cross. By no means can human actions attain salvation on our own, but only through our faith in Jesus and his saving work. And now that we've established that truth, we are talking about embracing the call to ministry. So embracing the call of ministry, we are all called to ministry. Oh, I need a bigger yes. I do. Guys, I need to, I need you to feed each other this morning. I need a bigger yes. We are all called to ministry. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. Um, It's important to note sometimes, though, that there are seasons, right? We all go through seasons, and there's seasons where we might not be able to do the same things that we normally do. You know, we might have to take a step back from singing, especially if we're having trouble with our voice. We might have to take a step back from greeting. You know, there's different times where there's seasons. But those are not as far, you know, those are not as prevalent as we think. I want to acknowledge them, though. Because it's important to know that we need to avoid burnout. We need to avoid unrealistic expectations of one another. We need to care for one another. And that's key. Sometimes we get really excited about somebody doing something really good, and we put so many things on their plate. And it really is a balance. So just putting that out there, what I'm not going to do, I'm not going to ask you to go build with Habitat for Humanity and swing hammers if you got a broken leg and you're walking in crutches. I'm not going to do that. Right? So there are boundaries. There are seasons. Um, and I certainly don't want to dismiss those seasons. I've had seasons of rest myself. But one cool and unique thing that I'd like to share with you is a lot of times, even in that, we can still live in our calling, but in a different way. So um, there's, a, there's a picture coming up. And this picture is also a very sweet one for me. Um, I was hospitalized for a a good long time, and I'm not the kind of person that can sit still. I just don't. So I'm like, okay, God, if I'm stuck in here for all this time, you better give me an assignment. You better give me something to do because I cannot just sit here with this dumb TV on in this hospital room. Give me an assignment. And you don't know how much of that floor in that hospital I wore out. I'm telling you. But I was so blessed by so many assignments that God gave me. Um, this sweet lady here, um, I met and had the privilege of speaking with her and her husband several times um, while there, and unfortunately her husband was headed down the hospice road. And so we got to spend some time talking together, encouraging one another, even celebrating the next step for her husband. And I know that's a hard place to be. It's especially raw for me this morning. Um, but 
when people get to heaven, that's one version of healing. And so God placed her in my life, and we were able to spend that precious time together, and my soul was filled in a unique way. See, I may not have been here present with you all, folks, unison. I miss you all so very, very much. But even though I wasn't here doing what I normally do with the body, God was able to use my same call, but in a different expression in that season. Don't forget that just because you're in a season it doesn't mean that your call is gone anywhere. So. All right. We're going to give you a little bit of background before we hop into James chapter 2. Um, if you have your phone, that's probably the best way to pull it up because we're going to use the message version, which is abnormal for me, but that's what we're going to do. Um, and it will be in James 2, 14 through 26. I love... James. He has the tendency to hold us accountable on stuff. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't try to watch out for our feelings. Nope. No. James rips the band-aid off and he says, look here. That's what James does. And so um, he is talking to them about faith and specifically about true faith. And he's making a distinction here. Um, about faith that is active and not just lip service. And that's kind of where James is going. But one important thing to know is that um, when this was written, the kind of culture that James lived in was a communal culture. Fancy word, just think of it this way. It's the exact opposite of what we got right now, <laughs> right? We're all concerned about what I'm gonna get next, what you gonna do for me, right? How is this new government law gonna affect me? It's an individualized culture. But turn that on its head for a minute, and you'll understand a little bit more about communal culture. It was widely understood that there was deity. That was like, it wasn't even questioned. It was just taken for granted. Everybody knows that somebody created this thing, and we all got to be on our best behavior so that we get God's good, good favor. It was just kind of how that was understood, right? And if you're over here messing around, messing things up, knocking people's houses over, you're going to get kicked out, man, because it's the good of the community. That was the focus, right? So, um, in thinking about that, the way that you act, your sinful nature, your purity, your holiness, has an effect on the whole community. If you all, as a community, were in good standing with God, guess who was winning the war every spring? right? But if we're over here sinning and doing the things that God told us not to do, sometimes that war was tilted. And you can read that all through the Old Testament especially. So James urges his readers to actually be what they claim to be. Enough lip service. James wants them to be what they claim to be. And this is accomplished by doing God's will. Serving the God who cares for the orphans and the widows means cherishing all people. Did God call you to be a prophet? Be a prophet. Amen. Did God call you to heal? Heal. Amen. Did God call you to visit the sick? Go and visit them. Amen. Did he call you to encourage those who are wrongfully incarcerated? Yep. 
Did he build you to be somebody that could bless someone else with your hands? Then do it. You see, we are in a community right now that has lots of needs. There's, of course, always needs in the church. We have children's ministry. We have hospitality. We have prayer team. There are so many gifts that we need to use here in the church. But I think one thing about COVID that has made us really, really shy, folks, is that we have a hard time getting back outside the walls. Meanwhile, we have this housing crisis and families who have never experienced it before who are experiencing homelessness because rent last month was this much, but the new owner just jacked it to this much. This is a real thing, guys. It is really happening. There are kids who have broken homes that need mentors, someone to talk to them after school and encourage them through some things. There are families that are choosing between putting food on the table or keeping the lights on. We need to get back out there and be the church. We don't want them to see us as closed doors. We need them to see us as what God intended this to be. The love in this world. Let me tell you guys, they should see when they drive past this corner, this should be a beacon. They should know, not just because of the physical building, but because of the people inside it who love externally. God uses people to love people. He doesn't just do it himself. So, we'll take a look at James chapter 2. It just articulates well kind of this, this whole theme that James is going for. And we'll start in 2.14. Dear friends, do you think you will get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then walk away without providing as much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talked without, or God talk without God acts is outrageously nonsense? I'm telling you, he's ripping that band-aid off, guys. Woo. I can already hear one of you agreeing and saying, okay, that sounds good. You take care of the faith department, and I'll go over here and handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith, fit together, hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and, and not end up with a corpse on your hands? I'm telling you, he's not gentle. <laughs> Wasn't your ancestor Abraham made right with God by works? When he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar, isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked together? That faith expresses itself in works. I have to repeat that one 
faith expresses itself in works. That the works are works of faith, a full meaning of believe. In the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and, it was, set, and was set right with God, includes his action. It's that weave of believing and acting that got Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God, not by a barren faith, but by faith fruitful in works? And the same with Rahab, the Jericho harlot. Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape that seemingly less, or seamless unity of believing and doing what counted with God? That very moment that you separate the body from spirit, you end up with a corpse. Separate faith and works, and you get the same thing, a corpse. I'm going to pause there that was a lot see there is this special connection between authentic faith that so much so can't help but pour out and I'll ask a rhetorical question here if it's not pouring out is it in your soul or is it head knowledge See, James is comparing between the unmet needs of the hungry person and the empty claims of faith. James's argument is that just as mere words, expressions of sentiment, no matter how sincere, cannot meet the need of the naked and hungry. Faith that is unaccompanied by tangible evidence is, I'm sorry, of its reality will ultimately prove inadequate. The divorce of belief from doing, religion from ethics, faith from deeds has more become a barrier to God's intentions. So faith, when it makes it from our head into our soul, it cannot help but overflow into action. Faith and its vital power for making a real difference in human life should differ differentiate us from the world. Now, I know you can think about a verse that Jesus said. It's in John 13, 35, and it says, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. See, how can we do that if we say, be healed in Christ? But we don't give them a cup of soup, folks. Because sometimes our intentions with our sincere words are good but sometimes those intentions overlook the tangible need that's right in front of us. And it's, I know it's not always on purpose, I understand that, but often the door to planting seeds is first meeting a tangible need, right? Because let me ask you something, when somebody meets your tangible need, what happens? We had, um, and I don't know if I shared this or not before, but we had a couple of kids that were hanging out at the bus stop, and it was raining, and so I started, like, looking in my back seat, like, do I have an umbrella I could give them, whatever? God's like, no, you don't need the umbrella. You're going to take them home. I looked at my watch, and if he knew what I was doing, he said, 
you would, does not matter if you're late. You're going to take my kids home. I'm like, okay, God, let's do it. And so I pull up to the bus stop, and sure enough, they had gotten out of school early and needed a ride home. Couldn't get a hold of Grandma. So here I was with two kids in hoodies, hanging out in my car in the middle of the rain, and we took them home. And you know what they said? They said, you didn't have to do that, but you chose to. And guess what? They were curious why. Did you just see the door open? mom (laughs) but that door wouldn't have been open had I not followed through on what God said and met a tangible need I'm all over the place today guys we'll get there I love for the Lord should inspire us to put his love into action in the world it's not the key to our salvation Jesus already did that he already accomplished what he had to do, and all we had to do was accept it. Now that we've accepted it, the joy that's in our soul, the love for our Father, should pour out. Your soul can't help but overflow into action, right? We should be motivated to do something. To offer a cup of soup. Our actions have a way of demonstrating what we truly believe. Who believes that? Yep. When was the last time that you questioned whether or not you were called to do something? I know I'm guilty. I know I am. The other day I was in the grocery store and I had something I had to return. And so I returned it and the woman handed me back cash. And I'm like, I don't normally carry cash. I'll tell you what. You know what he did. No sooner did I start pulling out of that parking lot than there is a downtrodden person on the corner with a sign, and I feel this tug. I felt that tug, and I'm like, I see what you did there, Spirit. I got you. (laughs) I think sometimes, I know I'm guilty sometimes, but sometimes I think we overthink whether or not God's asking us to do something. Oh, my goodness, just step out in faith. You know he's doing it. Anyway, yep, yep. So there's this song, um, and many of you may know it, but um, the writer of the song has this moment, and he's, he's super frustrated with everything that's broken in the world, and he's naming them off. And then out of nowhere, he's like, God, why don't you do something? Do you know what he replies? Who knows it? He says, I did. I created you. Right? I think so many times we get in that space, don't we? We're like, dude, God, don't you see what's going on? Where are you? Hey, boo, he created you. Like, go fix it. Go help build some houses with family promise. Go serve some kids who need some backpacks. Like, this is what we are here for, folks. We are called to be God's hands and feet in the world, and our actions should be an outpouring of love for the Father. That outpouring of love as we meet the practical needs of others often finds itself opening the door to reach others for Christ. Embrace your calling. You see, you can't go and preach to somebody if you haven't first met that need, and I think we talked about that a little bit, because they feel God's love through our actions, and it's contagious. 
They can't help be drawn to it. So, as we wrap up with reflection and action, I have a couple of questions for you. And I want you to sit there for a minute. Before we move, I know the day is waiting, I understand, but Jesus is still here. And I'm still going to hang out with him. So, what I want to challenge you to do is to take a few minutes with these questions, and I want you to pray about them and ask God what he has to say about it. How has your life's actions demonstrated your faith? Because, yes, there's a huge amount of convicting in this, in this passage, I understand, but there's also so many reasons to celebrate how many times have you all loved on one another? How many times I hear stories of you loving on someone outside the walls? There's also a reason to celebrate. How has your life's actions demonstrated your faith? So celebrate the wins. Be convicted, but also be encouraged with when we haven't. And then what might God be calling you to get up and do? Is there something on your heart? Is there something that you were doing that you kind of pulled back a little bit and you know that you need to re-engage? Or has the way that God is asking you to fill your call changed? All of the above can be true, right? So I'm going to give you a few minutes. I'm going to let you pray about that, and then we will come and pray back together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the way that your spirit has been here among us today. I thank you for both celebrations and holy convictions, God. And I pray that, that you will continue to speak to us, that you will continue to tell us about the call that you have on our life. Because you've called us all to ministry whether that ministry is inside the wall, whether that is outside the wall, whether it's in the workplace, God, every single interaction in our lives, you have ordained on purpose, God. And help us to see people in those moments. When we look up, do we see the expression on the face of the stranger? Are we willing when the Spirit convicts us, God, to reach out and touch that person, to offer a word of prayer? Do we have that courage to walk when you've called us, God? See, I pray that you will help us to not sit on the sidelines, God, where we have been crushed in spirit, where we have been afraid. God, I, feel, I just pray that you fill us afresh with your spirit. Anoint us. Fill us with the passion and the desire and the courage to live in the calling that you have placed on our lives and to take those steps and do something with it, God. There is nothing more precious than walking in the call that you have placed on our lives, God. And I love how suddenly when we are helping another, when we are serving another, when we are taking those steps diligently in the call that you've given us, God, that you somehow refresh our own souls in the midst. And I thank you for that, God. I pray that you will continue to knit us together, united as one unison Christian church, God. I praise you. I give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen.